Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Oh, hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here for Rebel News. Every day at 12 noon Eastern time, we have a live stream. I do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My friends David Menzies and Sheila Gunn redo it Tuesday and Thursday. We come to you live on four different platforms. YouTube, which I regard as a censorship channel. They want to de they've already demonetized us. They want to cancel us completely. But we have almost a million and a half subscribers there, so we like to say hi anyways. Rumble.com, a Canadian-based YouTube alternative. Uh, SuperU.net, a new specifically free speech alternative based in Vancouver. And uh, finally, Odyssey, which is sort of a crypto-oriented free speech platform. So it's a pleasure to talk to you on all four of these systems. Um, it's been such a crazy weekend. Over the last, I guess, 42 or 78, 72 hours, 48 or 72 hours, not one but two rebels have been arrested, not for committing any crimes, of course, but for committing free speech. The first was in Melbourne, Australia, where our chief Australian correspondent, Avi Yamini, operates. He uh, rolls with a camera crew, obviously. And um, especially when he's out at large public events where Antifa might attend or there might be some jostling, he brings a bodyguard. That's standard practice for most TV journalists in Australia, apparently. And Avi is certified and got licenses and passes. And not that I believe those things are necessary to do journalism, but he's checked every box necessary. And the police know him. And when they want to, we, we were suing the police there because they improperly arrested them. And so they've been better behaved since that. But on the weekend, they arrested, not Avi. I think they're wary of doing that because he's suing them for a few incidents already. But they arrested Avi's bodyguard named Daniel. And he's so professional, this bodyguard. He's low-key. He's licensed, professional, insured regulated. So he's not just some Yahoo. In fact, what I have learned in my dealings with bodyguards over the years is the best bodyguards keep you out of a trouble in the first place. Uh, the best way to win a fight is never to get in it. And, uh, you know, I remember when Ann Coulter came and I was on a three city speaking tour with her in Canada, she had a bodyguard, former NYPD cop, just a great guy knew all the moves, uh, what a pleasure to deal with, great personality too, but um, what I learned from him was avoid the problem, scan the horizon, and he himself was extremely low-key. I sense that Daniel, uh, Avi's bodyguard, is the same way. You never see him. He never causes a fuss. He doesn't, he's never the center of attention. He certainly isn't looking for a fight. The opposite, he's looking to avoid fights. He's a big guy, so he'd win a fight, but the thing is, no matter how big a guy you are, when the cops arrest you, you go along with it. Because if you don't, they'll kill you. I want to show you. And so that's the first arrest. I'll show you that in a moment. And the second was here in the greater Toronto area in, in the suburb called Thornhill yesterday when our own David Menzies was arrested himself. I'll talk about that because there's a lot to talk about there. But first, let me show you how Abby's bodyguard was picked on. Take a look. Look at what they've got. Capture it. There's his police brutality in Melbourne, mate. That's uncalled for. He's a security guard working on the job. Did you do that to Channel 9? Did you do that to Channel 7? 
Did you do that to SBS and ABC? Did you? And he's not an offender. He's not an offender. He's my security guard. He's my security guard. So we're here now, two and a half hours after the event started. The event went peacefully um, until the organisers started to disperse. When police were um, outnumbered, probably 100 to 1, they backed down. Suddenly there is a small group left and police are taking them down violently. He's security. Hey, he's our security, sir. He's our security. I'm at work. He's our security. He's our security. He's our security. What? He's our security. That's our, he's working with us. He's working with us. He's working with us. You've arrested our security. You've arrested our security. We're not going to tolerate that. We're not going to tolerate that. That's our guy. Come around here. Come around the side. No, you've taken our security. You've taken our security. So, come, come back. They've taken our security and we need, we're here. We need to wait for our security. Around here. So they've just arrested our security, violently arrested our security on the job. They haven't done that to Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, SBS, ABC, who are all here with security. Our security guard, they violently tackled. Can I talk to you who's in charge? Look at him. They've got Daniel on the ground, who is here as our licensed security guard, who came here, licensed, working. And, and I told you guys at the time that he was working security. Look at what they've got. Capture it. This is police brutality in Melbourne, mate. That's uncalled for. He's a security guard working on the job. Did you do that to Channel 9? Did you do that to Channel 7? Did you do that to SBS and ABC? Did you? And he's not an offender. He's not an offender. He's my security guard. He's my security guard. So you realise they arrested my security guard? Are you okay with that? I've made it clear and he made it clear he was on the job and you've arrested him while doing his job. You didn't do that to Channel 9, 7 and 10. Yeah. I've made it clear that's the one that was in charge. So if when this goes to court, it's going to be clear. They've been told numerous times that he's on the job. Look at that. Treating him like a criminal. Not here to protest. Oh, here we go. The lawyer's on the line. Hi, Madeline. So they've... They violently have arrested my security, who made it clear he was security. Um, what should I do? They've got him. Can the lawyer talk to someone? Who can the lawyer to? His, his lawyer's on the phone here. What, what, what can we do? Nothing. We've got to wait. So I call from the police. Where they take him, the lawyer wants to know. Harvey's starting to become a bit more problematic, so we might need to look at what Harvey's role is here in the moment. If you're starting to cause breaches of the peace, you'll be in trouble. So um, I'm I'm here because my you've taken so my security we'll, guard. We'll go over there with him and have a chat. Uh, can you I go in there? Like, can you take me there? You can stay on the outside, but you can't, I don't see any need for you to be here if you want to protect him. No. What, what are you talking about? You've Did taken you my security guard. Go over there then. Am I allowed to go there? And you can stay around the outside of the area. I don't understand what you're saying. What you, my lawyer's here. You want to talk to her? Here. What's your name? Jamie Templeton. Inspector Jamie Templeton is. I don't know. Where do I go? Can I go to my security guard that you've arrested unlawfully? 
I'm I'm breaching the Cho directives now. I'm I'm working. I'm where I'm I'm on camera with. Okay, do you want to have this argument again? You don't know the law. Right, move on, thanks. Please move back behind the court and you're right. We're there. That's, That's right. right. Thank you. Yeah. He does. He told me to go right here. He, it, well, that escalated quickly as soon as they uh, suddenly felt empowered um, to do it. But we're going to fight for our our security guard. And uh, right now we have seven cases in front of the Supreme Court for seven different matters. And uh, it looks like we're going to add another one. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed because your inspector there is acting like, and, and they've targeted him. I because, mate. I'm not going to comment uh, on what he did. So, yeah, all I want is him. So, once he's I'll free, come back yeah. with thank you. Okay. Yep. Cheers. Thanks, mate. As you saw there, they didn't target me because I guess how many times can you make the same mistake? The inspector tried to intimidate me after the fact, but again, back down um, because uh, I think he was unsure of himself. But they took down our security. Our security who, by the way, every news crew here had security. None of them were pinned to the ground and, and dragged off to the police station. I just had word that he's been taken away to uh, Melbourne West Police Station. We're going to go there and we're going to break him free. We're going to use the lawyer to make sure to, to ensure that we get him out. And we're going to fight any charges. With your help, guys, fightthefines.com.au. That's how we're going to pay for his defence. That's how we're going to fight them. So we're here at Melbourne West Police Station where our security guard is being... Oh, here we go. <laughs> he was being processed. The, the lawyers have been on the case talking to the sergeant. They told us he was coming out any minute. He's come out before I even got to do my piece to camera. Daniel, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. So they... They, they targeted you today. Yes. I was very clear with the arresting officers that I was at work, uh, who I am, what I'm doing. I mean, I had the high-vis vest on. With the big there. security at the yeah, back. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think it was would be pretty obvious from an outsider's point of view that I'm holding you guys, I'm making sure you guys are safe. It's your um, job. Yeah. You're licensed. It's a job. We're paying you to be here. We're yeah. paying the company that Which, employs you to be here. Yes. You're insured. You're doing everything by the rules. Yes, they targeted you. Correct. And, like, I, I mean, I tried telling him that during the melee, and he just said, no, don't, don't care, get him, go. And I'm like, I'm working. No. Uh, very confrontational. Um, look, I was punched a few times. Uh, definitely need. Uh, i tell you, I mean, it doesn't look as bad now. Oh, it's um, red. Can you see that? I'm telling Come you. Come in here. They were very, very tight. And to me, it, it felt... Very malicious and vindictive. You've got a fine and I don't know if there are any charge, anything that comes of this, um, we are 100% obviously we're paying your bill for today, including all the hours you spent in arrest and people at home can help us fund that bill at supportrv.com because without you, as we saw, I'm in trouble. I can't be at some of these things alone or, or anything. People, There are people that don't like me. Imagine yeah. that. So yeah. I need you there, but so you know you're not alone. Uh, people are actually going to donate to help us cover all the legal costs associated with um, fighting back and what, fighting the fine and any charges and potentially even taking them to court on this because um, we have a matter in the Supreme Court where we've added a few things, but I don't think I can add your case on that. So we may have to create a new account for you. How do you feel about that? You happy with that? Yeah, I'd be very happy with that because to me, like I said, it felt targeted. It's, uh, it was pretty obvious who I am, who you are, what we're doing. It felt malicious and vindictive. Let me ask you one more important question because uh, your, your legal fees are covered and whatever we got to do, we're going to do and the Rebel News is behind you and the, the viewers are behind you. But for me, most important, 
are you willing to come back next time? Absolutely. Like, I've got a job to do. It's uh, being arrested. I mean, it's a little sore, but I've got a job to do. That that doesn't worry me. Thank you, brother. You always got my back. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have your back now. Thank you. Fightthefines.com.au to help us with the legal fees and support RV.com to help us cover his fees. RV Mini in Melbourne, Australia for Rebel News. Never backing down, no matter who they pick on. I sure like Avi, and doesn't that Daniel seem like a good guy? First of all, any you throw a, an Australian accent on just about anyone, and they, they're a good guy. But um, I like how he wasn't being a drama queen there, but if he's still got that red band around his wrist, like five hours later, you know that they were putting it on wicked tight just to make a point. And in the very first moments, um, well, actually, we, we caught the actual moment, grab that fella. He was walking away from police, focused on Avi. He was doing absolutely nothing wrong. He was, so, he was wearing a vest that said security. The cop referred to Avi by name and said, if Avi, watch Avi, um, if he keeps talking, that we'll have to deal with him or something. Like they were, you saw it yourself. They, um, they clearly were targeting Avi, but they thought, well, maybe we'll tavi, target Avi's bodyguard instead. Absolutely. Uh, a, a false arrest. They absolutely knew what they were doing. They absolutely hate Avi. By the way, we are suing the Victoria Police for Avi. So that's just a day in the life of Rebel News. As Avi points out, all the other TV reporters had security there too, but um, they all love the lockdown. Um, they have the strangest lockdowns in Australia. They have I, if, now, the number may be slightly higher now, but last week, in the entire continent of Australia, in the entire year of 2021, so we're more than halfway through the year, there have been three deaths attributed to COVID-19. Three. Three. Not 300 or 3,000 or 30,000. And yet they're locking down entire cities, entire regions. And um, the premier of the state of Victoria... His name is Dan Andrews. He is a communist, or at least a communist sympathizer. Yeah. Oh, for for the year? Oh, that was just Sydney. Okay. I'm thanks. Justin interrupts me and says the number I gave you was for Sydney, um, which is the largest city in Australia. Um, the number of three deaths was just for Sydney. Justin, thanks for correcting me there. I appreciate that. Um, so Dan Andrews is a communist sympathizer premier of the state of Victoria. And I, I say he's a communist sympathizer because he actually traveled to China and signed a, tr a secret treaty with the Chinese Communist Party. And you're saying, what do you mean secret treaty? He wouldn't disclose the terms of it. What? Uh, he's not even the prime minister. What are you doing is signing treaties with the Communist Party? It was so weird. Anyways, Dan Andrews, he's the worst. Um, <laughs> I want to show you this clip of him. There's a funny moment. Um, in this video, but listen right to the end. It's not funny at all. Take a listen. And frankly, I don't even, I don't, I, seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. Yeah. Well, a lot of them. then, well, good on them, except it's illegal. I don't know what they're protesting about. You. That was funny. He says, good on them, but that's illegal. Nah, mate, you've been hanging out with your Chinese Communist Party friends a little too long. It's not illegal to protest. Uh, not even in Australia. At least not yet.
Um, so that's Australia. In the U in in France, uh, they brought it. Oh, and I'm going to come back to the David Menzies thing. Don't worry. I'm, it's twelve seventeen. I'll get there soon. Just uh, since we're talking about foreign affairs, since we showed you my two clips from Australia, I want to show you in France Emmanuel Macron, who is such a strange person. You know the story of his, he married his, he met his wife when he was a teenager and she was his school teacher. Do you know this story, Justin? Do you know about Emmanuel Macron's, I was going to say his mom. She's old enough to be his mom almost. And um, she was married and she was his school teacher and she got divorced to marry him as, like right out of school. Is that not weird to you? That seems really, really, really triple weird to me. And I don't know. I find it very unusual. He, they're a very strange couple. He's a bizarre, almost like made, almost like he's made in a in a lab or something. Ultimate globalist. Um, just came out of nowhere. Just very, very confected. And um, so he's decided we're going to have vaccine passports. For basically everything in life, you are forced to get the vaccine. The French, you know, it, America and the, and the Brits, who came to France's aid in the Second World War, for a long time they've made fun of France as they surrendered so quickly to Germany. Well, France actually fought hard and suffered a lot of casualties. And so I think that, they, that sometimes unfairly, the French are called surrenderists. I don't think they are. Um, they have other problems. But there is actually a streak in France that takes to the streets pretty quick and, and even gets a little bit pushy pretty quick. I think they're quicker to anger than Canadians who seem to passively accept just anything. Let me show you the massive protests against the vaccine passport in France. And as I said, you know, I mean, they're famous for their riots, but they're also famous for their riot police. Look at this mess. That's an interesting clip. I appreciate that. Can you also dig up one of the massive people versus police? Like that was an interesting shot of a police fire hose device. Those jets of water are so powerful, they would knock anyone over. Um, what's interesting about that clip is that there was no large manifestation, no large protest, certainly not one that I could see. No one was being violent. They were just ordinary people on the street that were getting hosed down. This is the size of some of the protests. Um, similar protests, yeah, you can see the Eiffel Tower there. Uh, similar protests in Italy and Greece over the same sort of thing. Um, I, I'm glad to have seen that fire hose riot truck because it just showed that just anyone out on the streets, they'll knock over with the water cannon. I've seen some real injuries from those. Um, 
Let's bring it back home to Canada. One of the most disturbing things I've seen in Canada is new signs going up in airports segregating people between those who are vaccinated and those aren't. Here's a sign. Do you have the Vancouver sign? Is that what you have? I've, I also understand they had the signs in Montreal but took them down. They're putting the signs up in Toronto. And there's these massive signs that say vaccinated and unvaccinated. And there's different lines for each of them. And um, it's not, this is not Photoshop. This is not fake. Can you zoom in a little bit there? So this is in Vancouver, you can tell, because there's some Chinese writing there too. Fully vaccinated passengers on that line and unvaccinated passengers on that line. Now, there's a lot of questions that arise, like, what does fully vaccinated mean? There's some Chinese script there. Do they recognize... Sinopharm, that's the Chinese government's vaccine. How about um, the Sputnik vaccine in Russia? Because I think that's the international arrival, so if I'm not mistaken. What does fully vaccinated mean? In Canada, you can mix and match. You can't in the States. But they don't actually say COVID-19, do they? If you have all your other vaccines, is that good enough? Just skipping the one that's an experimental vaccine that's not yet approved by the FDA, but only authorized for emergency use. And vaccines is one thing. That's a medical procedure. But what if you're immune for other reasons, like you already had the disease and have recovered from it, and so you have a natural immunity to it? Is that respected there at all? But I think the, the biggest problem in those lines, actually, is um, the same problem when we saw the British Columbia government mailing people envelopes and right on the outside of the envelope, it's, we've got your shot reserved for you. Okay, so everyone at the post office and the mailman know your private medical background now? You thought you would put that on the outside of the envelope, not the inside? That would be like maybe your credit card company putting your credit card balance on the outside of an envelope instead of having the envelope marked personal and confidential. So you're sending a letter to people and, and you choose to have on the outside of the envelope their private medical. And anything else you want to put? Your STD results are back. You're sexually trans. Hey, you've got herpes. Is there anything else you want to put on the outside of the envelope for my mailman to look at before he hands it to me or maybe passes around the post office, has a little laugh? So you, and my analogy is, <clears throat> you are asking people to publicly demonstrate their most private health information for everyone to see, for strangers to see, to get in the, and, and the second class status of it. I mean, air travel is all about status. Are you in this lounge or that lounge? Or do you wait at the gate? Are you, as Air Canada calls it, are you elite? Or are you super elite? And each airline has their own status. Are you in first class, business class, or the back? Um, are you on an economy class airline or a luxury class airline? Um, they really sell status at the airport. They even have speedy lines for fancy passengers to go through security faster. So now we're having the 
denormalization, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the discreditation by being in the unvax. Oh, you're the, oh, those are the unvax people. Gross. I'm not going near them. Cooties, girl germs. That's what we used to say in elementary school. Oh, you've got girl germs. Um, <clears throat> so you're, you're, you're forcing people to physically stand in a line based on their private medical information. And you think that's compliant with privacy legislation and um, anti-discrimination legislation? Um, boy, is that ever high-handed. Um, that's Now, I understand that Montreal did that and they already took it down. Now, I want to switch gears. It's 1226. Here's what I want to do. I wanna, I'm just going to read. We got one super chat, a hyper chat from Chuck Silver. Do not get the clot shot. You will regret it. Well, I don't want to give medical advice. Um, I do know that when politicians like John Tory say it's completely safe and completely effective, neither of those statements are true. The FDA doesn't say that, and the drug companies don't say that. I don't know if any medicine is completely safe. I suppose some are virtually completely safe. Uh, the United States has a um, vaccine adverse uh, events registry system. I, I think that's my might be the acronym. It's where people who get vaccines and get a bad uh, side effect register what the f side effect is, including death. And um, the side effects, the number of side effects for the um, COVID-19 vaccines are actually greater in number than all other vaccine side effects combined for like a decade. So I'm not here to say what the medical, how safe it is, and I'm sure it depends on your case. Like if you're a, tw a healthy 20-year-old Olympic athlete, for example, um, the likelihood of you dying from the virus has got to be close to zero, whereas the likelihood of you having an adverse effect from the vaccine is, is probably higher. So I'm not here to say what that balancing fulcrum is. That's up to you and your doctor. But I am here to say that when mayors like John Tory say it's completely safe, that's scientifically and factually untrue. It's called a lie. Um, so thank you for that uh, hyperchat. Let me just go through one or two more. On Rumble, Mary20232, Tier Society, and it's another form of passports. Yeah, or you could even call it, you know what the word apartheid is? That's an Afrikaans word, a Dutch word for apartness. It's a kind of apartheid. Now it has the overtones of racial apartheid. Yeah, you're, you're right, it does. On Super U, Devil's Advocate says, amazing how much Canadians are willing to take. Oh, yeah. You know, and it'll be interesting to see how much Australians are, are ready to take, too. Now, I want to shift gears. I, I showed you, I started the show by uh, telling you how our friend Avi Amini, who has been repeatedly targeted by, um, by everybody in Australia because he's such a strong truth teller down there, and he's so good at his craft. They've arrested him so many times, all of it false arrests. And so we had enough, and we have sued the Victoria Police. That's what the police in Melbourne are called. Victoria is the name of the state. We've sued them in a uh, very senior court there. We've hired a great lawyer. Um, I'd have to check on the status of that lawsuit because it's been going for a little while. I think we're going to win. Um, I won't get into that now, but... Um, you can see they've moved on to Avi's entourage because maybe they're not brave enough to, to arrest Avi anymore, I hope. 
here in Canada, we had an arrest yesterday too. And there I am on my Sunday uh, midday, just doing whatever I'm doing. And I get a phone call from our chief videographer, Mocha Bezirgan, telling me that David was just arrested at a conservative party event in Thornhill. It's about half an hour away from my home, so I get up there as soon as I can. Our lawyer, Aaron Rosenberg, was there before me, and indeed it was true. And um, David was arrested at the behest of Aaron O'Toole's conservative party. Can you go to Aaron O'Toole's Twitter feed? And what I'm about to tell you is no word of a lie. Emma Satora, swear to God. I was at home, and I was just I was looking at my Twitters. I do it too much. And I had just that very minute seen a tweet from Aaron O'Toole. It was literally on my phone when I got the call from Mocha. I'm not making that. It's too coincidental. I know. You won't believe me. I was looking at a tweet from Aaron O'Toole on free speech. And I, I was actually writing back to it in reply. That's what I was doing the second my phone rang from Mocha saying, yeah. Now, I didn't realize that was from the day before because it was only served up to me by the algorithm yesterday. So I saw this yesterday. It says, if you don't support free speech, you have four parties to choose from. If you do, you only have one, Canada's conservatives. And I saw that and I thought, BS, you're a cancel culture, fake conservative. And I was writing a reply, which I later completed, but I'm reading this and I'm saying, no, you're not. And that's on my phone. And who calls at that very minute? But our chief videographer, Mocha Bazirgan, you know him by his lovely hair, saying that David was arrested. And I thought, oh, my God. So I got in my car. I zipped up there. And true enough, when I, when I show up, there are six police cars. Six. What, was, what did David do? <laughs> Six police cars? Slow day in York region? Um, hey, you got the, the gang violence uh, in hand? You got the sex trafficking in hand? You got the property crime in hand? Or maybe they're just bored because the lockdown has been slightly relieved so people can go to restaurants again for the first time. Um, I couldn't believe it. I actually walked up to the first cop I saw and said, I'm here. I understand you've arrested my guy. Where is he? And and he told me, and I said, and you know, I've got this on tape. I should actually, I don't think I've shared this with you, Justin. I recorded it on my phone. I said, why is he arrested? And he said, we had five or six calls, is what he said. Um, I'm going from memory. I should play the tape, but I, I said, uh, <clears throat> what did he do? And he said, we got five or six calls that he was pushing and shoving and swaying. Now, hang on. Have you ever seen David Menzies swear? Let's start with the swearing. I've known David for more than a decade. I think I've heard him swear once, but I can't even really remember it if you were going to say, what did he say or when? I can't even tell you because it's such a vague memory. I might not even remember. I've never, have you ever heard, Justin, have you ever heard him swear? No. I mean, in fact, if anything, he gets into a, he uses sort of like a 1960s or 70s sort of, oh, well, gosh darn, like he'll say something like slightly goofy. Even in situations of extreme stress, he doesn't swear. When I'm in an extreme stress situation, 
a voice, uh, like a little subroutine kicks in my brain, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. You know, like when I encountered the, the foreign minister of Pakistan, I thought, don't swear. Ezra, you got the foreign minister of Pakistan here. Say anything, but don't swear. And I achieved, uh, yeah, that's right. So, so other words came to mind. I called him a thug, I, which sounds like another, fuck, fuck, almost sounds like another swear. And so I just, that's me. I swear, David, I don't think I've heard him swear. I'm not saying he's never sworn in his life. But I've seen him in stressful situations. And, be, and when this cop said David was swearing at people, I thought, I don't think that's true. And that he was like doing like physical art. I thought, that's, that's not true. I don't believe that. And he said, well, he got all these phone calls. Well, and they must be true. Um, turns out that the Aaron O'Toole Conservative Party, who had just tweeted about freedom of the press, they didn't like David's questions. So they had the police come. Cop told me he got a bunch of calls. I talked to the cop. I got it on tape. I should, I should get that tape to our team. And then I encountered Mocha and Mocha. I said, well, what happened? And Mocha said, well, actually, they shoved David. And actually, there's a video. Do we have that video clip of, of some of the pushing of David, including... Um, okay, we'll, we'll play that clip. Of... Um, a woman, like, for example, just one example, like they knocked his hat off, they pushed him around, um, and just a woman coming out of throwing what I think was water, but you never know. I mean, one of our reporters five years ago, I know this sounds super gross, someone was carrying, I know this sounds super gross, a bottle of urine. The Antifa types do that, and they throw that. There's nothing grosser in the world. Actually, there are grosser things, but that's super gross. So this one woman threw what I think was water, we don't know, at David, and it was all on tape. Here, I'm going to sh- play for you. Um, how long is that video that we're talking about? Okay, let's play this. It's a very short video. Let's take a look. Mr. Levant here for Rebel News. I'm standing next to David Menzies, who moments ago was released from the back of a police car. I don't know if you can see him. There's still literally five police cars here, including some senior supervisors. Why are they here? Because David was asking questions of a politician that were a little too tough. So the politician literally called 911, and they kept sending car after car after car. In fact, David was the one who was pushed, assaulted, had his hat knocked off, water thrown at him just because he was asking tough questions of an aeronautical conservative, which is another way of saying someone who isn't very conservative at all. I'm going to have a longer interview with David where we go through what happened, but I'll tell you one thing. we got to fight the charges. He's been charged with criminal offenses that we have to fight, and we have to go on the hunt. The people who pushed him around assaulted him. We've got to show them you can't do that to a rebel journalist. I'll explain it all in my longer interview with David. Please go to Save menzies.com no one gets to push or shove a rebel journalist and no police gets to censor us for peacefully asking questions go to savemenzies.com yeah i didn't like what happened there um you know you can disagree with david you can even say his questions are not good questions but to call the police isn't that what justin trudeau does I want to show you one more thing that I didn't like. You saw the lady throw the water. You saw the jostling. You saw the jostling. Something happened when David was arrested. I don't like that he was arrested. 
He was charged with three things. He was charged with trespass. He was charged with, I saw the ticket, swearing and, I don't know if the word was punching or something. Again, that didn't happen. I reviewed the tapes of the incident. David did not swear. It's a lie. David did not punch anyone. That's a lie. It's a lie. He just didn't. Um, resisting arrest. He, he didn't resist arrest. He just told the cop, what are you arresting me for? This is crazy. I didn't punch anyone. And the cop sort of admitted he, he was just going based on the accusations of the conservatives. But I want to show you what happened. Because when he was being arrested, um, David had two things in his hand. He had a microphone device and he had a clipboard. And obviously when you're arrested, the cops often handcuff you. And so he handed the microphone to Mocha and the, the clipboard either was dropped or it fell or something. And you can see in this video an O'Toole staffer, I'm not sure if she works for O'Toole or for Melissa Lansman, um, picked up David's notepad. And you can see, this is incredible, didn't just pick it up and hand it back or hand it to Mocha, picked it up and kept it, even though Mocha was right there. Kept David's notebook, and, you, and watch this. She would hold it up, take a picture, flip the page, take a picture, flip the page, take the picture, Flip the page, take the picture. So you just had a journalist arrested. And as soon as he's arrested, you grab his clipboard, which is his property, that if I understand the law of arrest correctly, it's his property that is now in the custody of the police, just like he's in the custody of the police, his personal effects, his wallet, his phone, everything. It's also the police are responsible for them. When you're under arrest, you no longer have autonomy. Um, you can't make any decisions. You can't, for example, defend yourself, really. Um, you can't do it. You are like a child. You're like an infant child in terms of your rights. You're, it's all subordinate to the government. And in return, the, the government has a duty of care. It's not let people take your stuff. So they arrest David Menzies. He drops his clipboard. In any event, the clipboard is his property. It's in the custody of the police, if I understand the arrest law correctly. It would be like dropping your purse or your wallet. Let's, let's use that as an analogy. Let's say you drop your wallet. Okay, you can pick up a wallet and hand it back to someone. But to pick up the wallet and to go through it and to take pictures of what's in it? Take a look at this video and watch that. This is freedom of speech in Canada in 2021. If you dare ask a prickly okay, question to, to, to a would-be politician, this is what happened. This is <laughs> this is what we get in Canada. Look at this. Look at this thug manhandling me. And what was I accused of? Just asking questions. The assaults were on my body, people running in front of me. And I'm the one that he wants to handcuff? What is this? This is you think Justin Trudeau's media party is bad? These are the guys that want to form the next government. Sure. It's unbelievable. What kind of what kind of egregious thing is this? Hey. This is a disgrace. Hey. There's a lot of strange things that happened yesterday. Um, I think calling the police is never a good thing on a journalist. 
I think arresting journalists is a bad look for the Conservative Party. I think it's a contradiction to their statements about believing in free speech and opposing censorship. I think uh, it's okay to disagree with David Menzies and to dislike his questions. Um, I think throwing water on him is not a good idea. In fact, I think that's assault. It might even be aggravated assault or assault with a weapon. I don't know. I assume that was water. You know, in the UK, thank God it hasn't come to Canada yet. They have acid attacks all the time. Terrible. It's a, it's a thing in the UK. Um, but you arrest a guy and you grab his clipboard and you go through it. You grab his notes and you, you go through it and you photo it. And I, I just I just can't believe that's anywhere close to right. Now, there's a lot of things that went wrong there. I think the um, lying to the police. I'm going to see if I can get from the police the complaints that were made. Because... If they said that David was swearing or punching people or whatever that he was not doing, I'm not sure if it's an offense to file a false police report. I think it is. I don't know if those would rise to that level. But look, if you want to get rid of David, get rid of David. But don't lie to the police and have them come with six police cars thinking he's swearing and punching people. He didn't do those things. Second of all, don't throw water at him or whatever that liquid was. Third of all, if you do get your journalist arrested, congratulations. Don't steal his notebook from him. That's not yours. And fourth of all, if you do steal the notebook, don't rifle through it and take photos of it, as was done on camera there. Uh, and then I get, what am I at? Sixth, sixth of all, don't then call up journalists, as was done last night and yesterday, telling them what's in the notebook. Not that there's anything embarrassing there, but don't, like you're doing so many things that are so wrong. It's just such a, a real um, glance into the nature of uh, Aaron O'Toole's Conservative Party. I don't think it's good. Obviously, we're going to defend David against the charges I listed, and I think we have to go on the hunt. I think we have to pursue charges where appropriate or a civil court where appropriate. So I've set up a little page at SaveMenzies.com to pay for this. We don't we don't let uh, rebels out to dry. So that happened around lunchtime. I'd have to check um, my my phone to see what time the call came in, and then I zipped up there. So um, I, I started to tweet about this, and so did others. And um, these various videos we did started getting hundreds of thousands of views. My very first video when I arrived on the scene, I hadn't talked to anyone yet, and I sort of said, here's what I think is going to happen. And some people said, oh, I don't even believe he was arrested. So then we showed the video of the arrest. People saw that. And then I noticed the clipboard thing in the background, and people saw that. And so this, this was trending in, uh, on social media yesterday. It was the word Menzies and actually the word Ezra were trending. That's, you know, I don't think that's the... the PR ripple effect that they wanted. So about 10 hours after they had lied about Menzies, had the cops come and arrest him, stolen his notebook and photographed it, assaulted him with what I think is water. Those are four bad things. They were really looking bad. So after 10 hours 
they decided to come up with an alibi. And the alibi was the candidate there, Melissa Landsman, was afraid for her life. So she had to flee. Here's a statement she put out at about 11 p.m. last night. Today at Peter Kent's annual summer celebration, I should tell you right there, there was only about five people there who weren't um, staff. It was 29 degrees Celsius on a baking hot asphalt parking lot surrounded by yellow caution tape. I can't, like if you want people to come to your event, don't have it on a hot asphalt parking lot and ring it with caution tape that when I looked at it, I thought, is this, is this police tape? Is this police tape? Was there, is that why there's six cops here? No, this is the welcoming event. We'll just use yellow caution tape. It was a terrible event. Anyways, back to this, uh, that's to the side. At Peter Kent's annual summer celebration, I answered various questions from a number of outlets, including from David Menzies. When Mr. Menzies' line of questioning became homophobic and related to my sexual orientation, I ended the interview. Afterward, I spoke to some constituents, but ultimately left the event because I felt unsafe. Thankfully, no one was hurt today. I'm very confident that any investigation will demonstrate that I acted appropriately and with the utmost respect. I have not engaged with the authorities, nor did I call them. Melissa Lansman. Okay, now, what investigation are they talking about? That, that's a little weird. Didn't engage with authorities. Okay, that cop told me, and I'll have to dig up the clip. It's, it's on my phone. I, I don't think I gave it to the team yet. The cop said a bunch of phone calls were made. Was the cop lying to me? What, what investigation? I think maybe I know. Because when I was there, the police asked me to leave, which I did. But I said, hey, copper, whatever you're doing on Menzies, there was a water assault, there were other assaults, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to look into those. And then I left. So maybe the police are investigating. I don't know what she's talking about there. But is David Menzies homophobic? Again, I don't know every private thought of anyone other than myself. I don't think he's homophobic. Never heard him say a homophobic thing. Um, and you saw there was a very clear statement there that Melissa Lansman engaged with David Menzies but broke off the interview when he said something homophobic. Did you see that part? She engaged with David Menzies. Put it back up for one second. I want to remember the exact words there. When Mr. Menzies' line of questioning became homophobic and related to my sexual orientation, I ended the interview. All right. Um, well, here's the interview. Let's take a look. So, Melissa, i got to ask you, how can you run to represent the writing of Thornhill when you were somewhat responsible for so many businesses going under and so many people losing their jobs as a paid lobbyist for Walmart? You made sure your client stayed open at the expense of other businesses, and now you're running for the people? How do you square that? Well, I've actually been quite clear on uh, on that. Uh, we uh, The mandate for uh, for Walmart was entirely on vaccines, and that's all available information, and you can seek that information. What do you mean the mandate for Walmart was vaccines? Our, that was our mandate. I didn't speak about it at the time because they were still in active climate, but uh, we, we, uh, we allowed Walmart to get into the vaccine pipeline. Melissa, you were in the war room of Doug Ford in 2018, Phrases like Ontario open for business and for the people 
And then you were instrumental in shutting down businesses, putting them out of business, putting people out of a job so that this multi-billion dollar corporation based in the U.S. could remain open, not only selling essentials, but non-essentials. Why could Walmart sell flowers, but Jane's Flowers couldn't sell flowers? I'm, I'm sure that's a question for uh, for the Ontario government on why they made that decision. But again, I told you our mandate was uh, uh, was on uh, vaccine procurement. Thanks very much. How much, how much did you get paid by Walmart, by the way, Melissa? Was it five, six, or seven figures? Um, was that homophobic? I don't think it was. He asked four questions about her role at Walmart. She gave sort of answers. She didn't like it, so she walked away. The interview ended. Now, there was a moment later on when David asked her, um, when David reconnected with her, um, where he asked her about a central theme of her nomination campaign, which was that she was the LGBT candidate for the Conservatives. Do we have any of those clippings? Did I send those to you? Yeah. So, I mean, this may sound like a tempest in the teapot, but David did ask later on, and we'll show you that video, um, a question about the about this. Did you have any? Yeah, young GTA raised and unafraid to speak critically about the Conservatives. Melissa Lansford is the party's candidate in Thornhill for the next federal election. She could also become the second openly gay Tory to take a seat in the House of Commons. So, um, and click on the link there. You don't even need to go to the others. So, she was um, her her campaign was the LGBT campaign. Obviously, there are other gay conservatives have been for decades, maybe centuries. The conservatives can't be stuck in the past on LGBTQ rights. And you can see this is her op-ed uh, on the subject. Do we have any other links there? So she was positioning herself as the LGBT candidate. Coming out as a conservative was much harder than telling anyone I was gay. Cheers to being yourself. That's a funny tweet. Now, I... I don't think that's an issue, and frankly, I don't even know if that's uh, like that's news anymore. It's like, uh, anyway, yeah, we showed this one already. Thank you. Um, you know, it's it's tough to say first this, first that now because things are so woke. I mean, um, the first openly gay cabinet minute, cabinet secretary in, was actually in Trump's administration, uh, Richard Grinnell. So, you know, Joe Biden, so you can see increasingly more fine distinctions. Joe Biden, the first openly gay First Nations wheelchair-bound, you know, um, gender non-binary cabinet secretary. I suppose that hasn't been hit, but I'm not even sure if it's a big deal anymore. Um, it just feels like that was like the front line in the culture wars maybe a decade ago. Um, there have been gay conservative cabinet ministers. There are gay liberal cabinet ministers. I just don't feel like it's a big deal. I don't, I don't think it's something that's really interesting other than it was the emphasis of Melissa Lansman's nomination campaign. And so I don't know if we have the clip ready. We'll show it later tonight. But David does ask her a question. This is almost verbatim. We'll show the clip tonight. Did you win on merit or based on sexual orientation? Is that a homophobic question? Um, I don't think so. Um, certainly not when the candidate herself 
repeatedly says that's her candidacy. That's what she means. That's how she's going to take on the world. Okay, well, did you did you win your nomination against a local MPP based on merit or, or, or based on being your sexual orientation? I just don't think that's homophobic. But at 10 hours, and by the way, neither did Lanceman. I'm sorry I don't have this clip handy. Um, I'm just showing you the stuff that's on Twitter. We'll have, we'll have the full video out probably in a few hours. And the reason I know that's not an offensive question is because Melissa Lanceman answered it. She didn't storm off. She didn't say that's an outrageous question. I'm sorry I don't have it right now. I, you know, I, we, we're working on a big video and we've just shown you the stuff that we put on Twitter already. But there was a question from David. It was answered by Melissa Lanceman and she didn't object to it. It took her 10 hours to, to figure out, well, how do we rebut the four things we did wrong? We got police to arrest a journalist. We lied to the police about what the journalist did, swearing and punching in order to get him arrested. We actually physically assaulted him, including throwing a bottle of water at him or whatever that was. And finally, when he was arrested, we took his notepad and didn't hand it back to him or, or Mocha, the cameraman. We rifled through it and took photos of it. How do we change the channel on that? Oh, I know. Play the gay card. Play the homophobia card. That always works. Well, I think you sort of did prove you're the LGBT candidate who uses the tools of cancel culture and wokeness when you're in a pickle. You know, there have been strong women candidates uh, for decades, maybe even centuries. I, I suppose I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth I. Um, Margaret Thatcher, Indira Gandhi, Golda Meir, Benazir Bhutto. Um, there's no lack of very strong, powerful women um, who, you know, um, don't always say, I'm a woman, I'm a woman, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. They just do the job. Then there's another kind of candidate who all they talk about is, I'm a woman, I'm a woman. We know you're a woman, we can see that. But they use that as a defense. If anyone criticizes them, oh, it's because I'm a woman. No, it's because you're a politician. And I think what we have in Melissa Lanceman is a candidate who has some questions to answer about her policies, including being Walmart's lobbyist. I think if you were Walmart's lobbyist during the lockdown and your job was to help promote Walmart, keep Walmart open while all the mom and pop shops were shut down, I think you got some splaining to do. Um, I think there's some real question marks there. Um, so answer them. So talk about them. Come up with an answer or don't. But don't don't reach for the your you know your version of a race card. And when someone asks you if your sexual orientation was the reason you're the candidate, and you have made that your central campaign theme for three years, I just don't think you can turn around and say, oh, when we when we lied to police to get this guy arrested, when we splashed him with water, whatever that was, when we pushed him and shoved him, when we stole his notebook, that's that's because he was homophobic. He's not homophobic. Anyways, I, I think it was an ugly day, and um, I think we are going to fight for David because these charges against him are clearly false. And you saw, was that resisting arrest? I mean, he was talking to the cop. But if that's resisting arrest, there's no way that charge is going to stick. I'd be surprised if prosecutors proceed with it.
and there simply was no swear. I mean, I, have, I don't think I, I, I have a fuzzy recollection of hearing David swear once like years ago, but I can't even remember it. Maybe it didn't happen. I thought I heard him swear once. Maybe he was quoting someone. Like, have you ever seen, like it just, it's not, it's not the way. Okay, he swore at you once about, about a personal beef you were having, but it was for fun, like in good fun. He was being fake dramatic. You, you were shocked by it. Yeah, I mean, so like that, the, the idea that he was going around swearing, it's just not credible. Anyways, um, enough talk about that, but censorship is a problem for all parties, I'm afraid, uh, which is too bad. Well, we're almost out of time. Let me check to see if there's any more comments. There are. Hyperchat, Enoch the Salty Pretzel. From the 8th of August, all unvaxxed here in Israel will be barred from almost all public venues, shops, restaurants, bars, clubs, event halls, and all cultural venues. And the unvaxxed will have to pay for a test to enter any place. I, you know, I've seen some riot-style f- visuals from Israel, too. Um, it sounds terrible. It was bad under Benjamin Netanyahu, but it sounds even worse under the new prime minister. Hyperchat from History Club World, you should take all the video you got from this event and submit every criminal act against David and send them to the local prosecutor, then see how many charges they will have to do. Follow History Club World on Instagram. Well, I talked to the police as I left, because the police came up to me and they said, all right, Mr. Levant, um, security's asking you to leave. I said, all right. I said, but before I do, officer, can I get your card? Because I want to make sure, like I talked to the cops on my way. I I wasn't rude to the cops, obviously. I said, look, if you're charging David, I insist that you charge those who assaulted him. So the card, the cop was nice. He gave me his card and he wrote the case number on it. So hopefully that'll happen. Super you, devil's advocate. The ones who grabbed David's notes should be called out big time. Well, yeah, I mean, how many, how many views has that tweet had? Probably quite a few, but it doesn't even matter how many there were. Um, you know, there, there could be one view. Uh, the point is when you grab someone's, it would be like grabbing someone's purse. I'm just looking for the tweet right here. Yeah. So when I tweeted this, it's got 195,000 views. My little tweet video of that lady going through David's um, briefcase. And it's got thousands of likes and retweets and whatnot. I think that's a real problem. I think that's a real problem. Look, there were. it was a hot, awful day. Yeah. 195, but it was a hot, awful day on the hot asphalt at an awful event, and it ended awfully. I don't think that gave license to that one woman to throw a bottle of water or whatever it was at David. And I, and I know it didn't give license to someone pick up David's private notes, rifle through them, and photo every page. So I really think that's like finding someone's purse and opening it and going through it. If I found a purse... I would probably just leave it alone because I don't need any of that. But if, like, I don't need any trouble, any hassle, I don't need the project of fi- returning a purse or a wallet. But I can understand opening a wallet to find the ID and then calling that purse and say, hey, I found your wallet. In fact, once I lost my wallet and someone returned it to me, boy, was I ever grateful. That's a very long time ago. But that campaign staffer knew whose wallet it was. Who knew, like, it, this, it wasn't, oh, let me see whose this is and I'll return it to them. This was, oh, 
I don't like Rebel News. I've got their clipboard because he's under arrest. I'm now going to photograph every page to weaponize against him politically. No, no, that's not like picking up a wallet to see whose idea it is to phone them and say, here's your wallet back. She knew whose clipboard that was because he was standing right there. And Mocha, the cameraman, was still at liberty. She could have handed it to him. I think that was actually the most grave thing that could be a privacy uh, law offense. There may be a, uh, a theft offense there, and there may be an interfering with police uh, offense there as well, because that is property that ought to or was in the custody and care of police. I think the women who splashed something on David should be charged too. Just an awful day, but really a day you'd more expect to be associated with the Liberal Party of Canada, not with the Conservative Party. I don't like any politician these days, do you? All right, it's one o two p.m. I think we got to call it quits. I got so much work to do. Thanks everybody for watching on all the different platforms. Thanks for your support. Do we have a dog video at the end of the day? That'll make us all feel better. You know, I find these dog videos make me feel between seven and twenty-two percent better every time. So let's take a dog video.